wealthy people, first they get into stocks, then they start a business, and then they get real estate. Owning a stock is like it's owning a percentage of a great business. The people who aren't wealthy is because they don't own nothing. You only have your money sitting in cash. If your money is just sitting in cash, realistically, you're becoming poorer every day. The key to wealth is through ownership. At about nine or 10, I saw my mom's get shot in front of my face. My early years were surrounded with violence. I saw my mom selling drugs. I saw my mom robbing. I saw my mom's get robbed. I saw her get shot. And then she later on went to prison, right? So I saw that early. At 14, um, my mom was in prison and I lost my grandmother, which was who I was living with at the time. 14, I'm homeless. I'm just on survival mode. Like the world, I just want to get to the next day. I want to make as much money as I can so I can crack. So at 16, I go to prison for attempted murder on robbery. But in prison, uh, I had a fight with two of my homies. In prison, um, we fight for like four hours. Jeez. Back to back. I'm just fighting one after another one. Like we just fighting. Um, and I go to solitary confinement. And at this time, all these parish prisons is considered like one of the worst parish prisons in the United States of America, right? And I go to the cell and I meet this white guy. That was the turning point of my life. He was like, man, listen, man, there's a game that's being played and you're playing a game that you can't win. For a minute, I just start thinking about the people who I knew that was in the streets. Everybody lost, everybody suffered the same fate. He has on a red and white band at the time. The red and white band means you're in federal custody. Mm. The first three things was he said, listen, man, wealthy people do three things, man. They stop trading time for money. They make their money work for them. And they give as much value to people as they can. And we got a little deeper into that. He said, the reason why you give people so much value is because if you give them so much value, they'll never leave you and they'll always be fit up there for you. And you will never need for anything as long as you give value to people. And so I learned that as I got older, that part really didn't make sense to me at the time, but the money working for you part, and I was like, what the, how do you make your money work for you? Mm. Again, all I know is how to go get money. That's all I know. So later on in that, he says, wealthy people do three things. So this made, we in a cell for about 45 days. Every conversation with him about money and transition was always wealthy people do. So he says, wealthy people, first they get into stocks, then they start a business, and then they get real estate. So if, when people ask me, how did I get into stocks? It's because I follow that rule. And so I just, my, my rest of my time in prison, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be a part of that wealthy conversation. And so what happened to me was it started reminding me of being in the streets. Everything about it. And I heard this term one time that said, the real gangsters are on Wall Street. The real gangsters are in the government. And I was like, damn. The reason why people think wealthy people or people with money are sinister is because that's what you kind of taught in the hood. Like you kind of taught like the people who really have money, like they did some wicked to get it. They did some backstabbing, cut get it and you'll never get that right and so that same mentality now happens on a lower level right the hustling the dope dealing so now you think like yo i gotta just do sinister 
to get money. And then the people who are successful in the drug game, they're looking at the people at the top like, damn, I want to be that. But the people at the bottom will never get a taste of that. And so now we just kind of living off ambition. And so now the people who are in the middle who work in, they're like, all oh, them people with money, they all crooks. They all, because being at the bottom teaches you to envy people at the top. It, it just happens. It's a, it's something that brews down there, right? It's kind of like when you cook. I don't know if you had gumbo before, right? But it's kind of when you cook food, right? The base goes to the bottom. And so most people live in that bottom, never knowing how they'll get up there, mm. right? I remember, so when I was working in the inner cities, mm -hmm. I remember having this moment where I was like, wait a second, this is not an intelligence problem. Intelligence is evenly distributed. Like mm -hmm. in, I, I remember saying to my wife, the next Elon Musk is gonna be found somewhere in Compton. The problem is he doesn't believe in himself. Yeah. And so he's not gonna do anything. And so I became obsessed with this idea that generational poverty is not about money, it's about mindset. Now, it will manifest as money, mm -hmm. but it is that, so I remember I had one kid come to me and, and I was the first person that told him, you can be successful, like what the, f why do you not think you can be successful? It didn't even make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, my mom always told me that the world didn't wanna see people that look like me succeed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm like, even if your mom had good intentions, that is the worst advice ever, because if you think you can't be successful, that will govern the way that you move, mm -hmm. right? So Kobe Bryant, people that have listened to me for a while have heard this quote a thousand mm -hmm. times, but booze don't block dunks. Mm. The, world, the world can hate you all they want, but if you're good enough, think about this, the best basketball players in the world were paid millions of dollars to stop Kobe Bryant from scoring, and the scored 81 <laughs> points in a single game, 81 points. When you've got five people paid millions of dollars mm -hmm. actively trying to stop you and they can't because you've gotten that good. Mm -hmm. That to me is the game of money. Mm -hmm. People can not want you to succeed all they want, but if you out invest them, mm -hmm. they can't stop you. So if people are not encouraging you to read, mm -hmm. you're not going to read. What happens is now, no one now believes that it's possible. Once you keep passing that down, you start accepting the lower level. And then there's a few of us or a few people who say, no, nah, I'm an outlier, yo, like, I'm about to go for it. And then whatever happens, I'm with it. You feel me? So for me, again, one of the greatest things that happened to me was my mother telling me, like, the world is wrong and you got to get how you live. But I also saw my grandmother be a legal entrepreneur. So I saw it from both worlds. So while I'm in prison, I, I pick up a habit of reading. That was the game changer for me. On the streets, I never had the opportunity to just sit down and read because I'm always trying to survive. In prison, there was no longer a survivor mode there. I started hustling in prison. So I was working in the laundry. And so uh, your clothes don't really get clean. So I found a hustle like, yo, I wash your clothes when we do it, but it's $5 or $25 a month. So that gave me a whole another set of money. And then I started being like a numbers dude. How Vegas have the numbers, the betting. I became a numbers guy. So I used to get up in the mornings and watch CNBC. So now you people in prison, they love to watch the young and arrested. <laughs> and so I would have to get up before them to watch like Squawk Box, mm. Jim Cramer. And I'd be like, damn, they love all this money. And they not risking their life. Something got to change for me. Like something got to change. And so I just started listening to them every day and I started comparing it to the streets. A good business is just like a good hustler. A good business has great product. They have great clientele. A great hustler has a great product. He has consistent clientele. 
a good business on the stock market has what's called a moat, a competitive edge that keeps his competitors away. A good hustler on the streets is gonna have that competitive edge where they be like, nah, yo, I ain't rocking with you, I'ma just wait to trap, come back, right? So there's the competitive edge. A good business has a good branding moat, meaning my name is good. Right. So a good hustler on the street. Yo, Trap got that blue magic. I'm good on you. Like if I can't get Trap, I'm going to just go try. But Trap got that blue magic. That's what I'm rocking with. Branding mode. Right. That's it. A great business on the stock market has more assets, more liquidity than debt. A good hustler on the street is if you don't learn how to fund your business, if you're operating while all you have is re-up money, you're not going to last long. So those components reminded me the same in the, in the stock market uh, in the world of a company's paying tariffs. That's equivalent to a, biz, a, a dude on the street going pay draft to go hustle in somebody's hood. Like you can't hustle over here unless you pay me draft. <laughs> it's the same as a tariff. It's the same thing. Yeah. So once I, under, once I broke the game down to a way that I can understand it, it wasn't about me just being brilliant. It was like, yo, how do I make the game winnable for me? Like once you start understanding the fundamentals, you give yourself power because you now understand, like you said, you see how the machine works, right? And so most people look at the machine and marvel and say either, I'm, like most people look at the stock market, most 98% of the people who I know look at the stock market and say, yo, that's not a game I can play. I'm staying away from it. And so the way, the way it's set up is the world is set up, well, listen, cool i don't even want you to play just give me your money i'll play it for you so when we look at like banks like we understand that banks don't necessarily work in our favor right so banks only give us 0.05 percent interest on the money we have there but we can get eight percent just by putting our money in the index fund so why would i just sit my money in a bank and let the bank make all the money because all they're gonna do is invest the money for you so they're now operating as the plug they operate now as the man who, I'm going to front you this, I'm going to make my money, I'm going to take the cut, I'm going to give you just enough to keep coming back. I'm going to go to the plug. Who is the plug? The stock market. The relationship with money in my community is you make money, just enough to pay bills. And so once you get tired of paying bills, you say, you know what, I need to treat myself to something. Right? No matter if I got to go in debt, no matter if I got, I need to treat myself to something to take this misery away. So you treat yourself to something that you can't afford at the time, right? But it makes you feel good in the moment. And so because it makes you feel good, you say, you know what? <sighs> I'm living. This is a reprieve from everyday struggle. So that's the mindset comes in and say, everybody around me had the same problem. No one represented the solution. So if I don't change something, I'm only going to end up like everybody else I know. Somebody has the solution somewhere. There's too many people out here living the life of their dreams that I'm watching. They know something I don't know. And the only thing that they had was access to a different type of information. In 2010, this after I'm home from prison now, right? I'm home from prison. Um, I'm back in the streets hustling. Because even though I have the information, I don't have the money, right? And I'm like, well, I got to get the money. <laughs> My dog gets kicked in in 2010. They get uh, eight pounds a week, $10,000. Yeah, by the cops. Eight, eight pounds a week, $10,000, a 223, a 40 with extended clip and a beam, and 100 X pills. So oh. the cop tells me, you ain't learned your lesson. You ain't learned your lesson. And I was like, damn, that was some, right? Like, I got knowledge, I got information. 
but I still fell victim to the same shit that everybody around me knew. So therefore, the knowledge that I had wasn't powerful because it wasn't applied. So I was fortunate. God bless me. Um, I wound up getting found out guilty because it's called fruit of a poisonous tree. So they kicked in my door, but they didn't have probable cause because they stopped me in my truck, didn't find nothing on me. So they went to my house, kicked the door in with no search warrant. So now everything you find is null and void. So now I get into the robbing game. So now I start robbing dope dealers. And I got in a situation where um, I was good at it. Me and my partner, God bless his soul. And then one day I almost got killed. And I go to my partner and I say, bro, I'm out. I guess a done deal. But when they kicked my door in, something happened. So they took my truck, they took my money, but they didn't mess up my stock account. I said, oh, okay. Start working as an iron worker, building stadiums, building power plants. It's crazy because I was making good money. $2,000 a week, that's good money to something. Like, yo, $2,000 a week, yo, that's it. $2,000, $2,500, like, it was amazing. I started saving and investing 70% of my money. I was living bare minimum. I was like, if I'm gonna change, I gotta make like the hard choices. It's hard for people to make sacrifice because you gotta now go, go against and do without some of the things that gives you that momentary gratification. That simple, that, ah, that's what keeps you alive. That's what keeps you going. Just to go on vacation one time a year, to get these pair of shoes that may cost me a thousand dollars. I know I can't afford them, but I've worked so hard, I need that right. just to keep giving yeah. me something. You have a phrase, Wall Street looks like us now. Wall Street looks like us now. There's another phrase you say, but you should like put that same like stamp on mm -hmm. it, is I own that. I own that. Because you talk about stocks in a way that sounds so rad, <laughs> where it's like, you refer to yourself as an owner of the companies. Yes. And, and the thing is, it actually is true. Like mm -hmm. you're not playing a linguistic game. It is true. Mm -hmm. But people don't think about it like that. But mm -hmm. it's so much more powerful then having a cool pair of kicks is to say, I own the mm -hmm. company that makes those kicks, mm -hmm. or I own the company that makes that phone, or you know, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, works for me. I'm a Smart shareholder, guy. right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. Explain that basic idea of ownership for people that might not quite put it together that stocks really are owning that company. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually got that term from Warren Buffett um, in one of his meetings. I want to say it was the 1995 shareholder meeting. And he said that um, he owned great, owning a stock is like, it's owning a percentage of a great business. And so when, once I understood that concept, I understood that the key to wealth is through ownership. The people who aren't wealthy is because they don't own nothing. You only have your money sitting in cash. If your money is just sitting in cash, realistically, you're becoming poorer every day. Right. Or they own depreciating assets. And that's what cash is. It's a depreciating asset because the more money they print, the more money that money loses value. Right. So if it's just sitting, it's the reason why the bank wants you to have your money there. So they can take it and use it and invest <laughs> it so much and be like, hey, it's just sitting, I'm gonna give you 50 cents on whatever you had in there. Right. And so the idea of ownership was, yo, we can just start owning everything that we, no matter if it's just a stock, like that's powerful. Because if you can start owning the businesses that you now, consume every day, you turn a one-time transaction to a lifetime of profit. And that was major for me. Because if I go to the store and buy a pair of Nikes, that's a one-time transaction. In order for me to get something from them again, I gotta come back and buy another pair of Nikes. But if I own the Nike stock, long as I own it, 
it's a profitable um, vehicle for me. So that one-time transaction be can become a lifetime of profit if I own that business. If I'm a buy Apple, if I know I'm an Apple user, if I know I got the phone, I got the AirPods, I got the MacBook, I got the PC, I got I'm excited when Apple's about to drop something, why wouldn't I own it? As much of it as I can, right? Like if I if I understand that concept, if I know people gonna America has one of the biggest trash problems in the world, right? So if I know that waste management is a company that's gonna be here forever because we aren't gonna stop throwing things away, why don't I own that company? Because I know everybody throws things away. And so now instead of me getting excited about Apple Lime being around the corner because it's a new phone, I'm like, yo, y'all about to make me some money, <laughs> right? So when I hear a company like Waste Management has bought 40 acres of disposable land for another landfill, I'm excited about that. And another great thing about the stock market is, for me, it now makes me pay attention to the world. And so now I understand what's going on in the world. I started learning business cycles, market cycles. You know what I'm saying? Like, because now I can understand, yo, this is okay. Things are going out of business. Is, okay, we're, we're in this cycle. Okay, people are hiring. Okay, we're in expansion cycle. And so now I started taking, I took an economic class on my own without just understanding the world. And so you start understanding when something is happening in China, okay, something happening in China, so I own Apple. Apple is, has 20% of their revenue in China. Okay, they might take a little hit right now. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. the stock market helped me start understanding how the world moves, the fundamentals. Knowledge is what gives us leverage in life. It's not about how strong you are. It's about what you can learn. And then how can you actively apply that? I have this acronym called FEAR. Um, finally exiting average reality, right? And what happens is until we can overcome the fear, some people actually fear success. Mm. Success comes with a lot, right? But until you can overcome that average reality that you live in, no matter what you're on, once you become comfortable there, it becomes average. Anyone can live in average. Everyone can live in mediocrity. Right? Then there's those outliers who consistently push themselves to go to the next level. And the thing about the human mind and the human body, it will go as far as you push it. As long as you believe in it, like you said, the only belief that matters is what do you believe you can do? I personally believe that there is nothing I cannot do. And for me, it's all about impact, purpose, fulfillment. Like the money is a byproduct of everything else. That isn't my focus. My focus is I have a knowledge and information that I know that can change lives, not just one life, not just like lives. And so the way that you change lives is by consistently learning, finding new ways to put that information out there, being able to open up, being able to be vulnerable because people need to connect. People connect to knowledge in the way that they can see two things that help people, imagery and vocabulary. So for me, it's always about how do I attain as much, it's always a challenge for me. How can I attain as much knowledge as I can because I love learning, but then how do I take that and be able to now reciprocate it or give it to somebody who may not understand calculus or trigonometry, but if I can give it to them in this way, they can say, oh yeah, I got it. And there's more people that struggled in the world that has become successful. So struggle has to become a language that I'm, I struggle. So that's the language I'm great at. So if I can break down things into a struggle language, now I make it the game winnable for everybody. What do you say to people that don't think they have enough money to invest? 
So the important thing for me to tell them is start where you are. You build a house brick by brick. If we look back at our situation, you see that was, you inherited that whatever it is, that poverty, you inherited that, that mindset, that idea of scarcity, that idea that you don't have enough money. You inherited that. Building wealth becomes a revolutionary act because now you start saying, I'm going to go against what I was taught, right? And so I say it by starting with $25. If you can do $25 a month, that's cool. If you can do $25 a week, that's cool. But what happens is once you start understanding the power of how your money works, you start saying, yo, I don't need to do that because that's taken away from this. Let me, that 25 will now become $50. Guaranteed. That 50 will now become 100 because you're gonna start doing more with less. Invest in your first stop. It don't have to be a winner. It doesn't have to be a home run. It can be an AT&T stock that costs $26 right now. It may not be the best investment in the world, but you started, right? And the great thing about anything is you can't be great if you never go to practice. You can't hit 81 if you never get in the gym. So just get in the gym and then find somebody who can teach you. Be dedicated to understand the process. We have to understand the power and learning and being educated, man.